Today we show you blackmail. We show you how we blackmail someone into coming to the podcast. We talk about our failures is more of a real one. And another one that's like, if you're not getting any clients and you're like, you need a quick win, what is the message you send that will cure your anxiety and also get your clients? See you inside. So guys, something amazing happened. This is this is something cool right now. So I was asking Marcos about some advice on how to frame something that I just didn't know how to frame. Because somebody just asked me, Jakey, what do you think about my offer? I help agency owners establish this matrix so they can close this many clients every month. And I thought that was the wrong question. I understand the intent. You want to have a high-performing offer, but I think that is the wrong question because people think of an offer, and this is where Marcus contributed, so this analogy, kudos to you, people think of an offer as a solid, as something you place and that is it. Like a puzzle piece, it's just there and it never shuts. But I'd like everybody who's listening to think of their offer more as a liquid. It shifts and it um, changes depending on the shape of the container. If the container is the prospect doesn't want to hear all of it. They just want to hear one thing about the offer. Well, then that's what the liquid takes shape as. That's what you give them. If the offer is a full-on email in which you explain everything, well, that is it. If the offer is an emotional email in which you show the pain people went through and in the end you say book a call, well, then that is the shape of the container it takes. And I don't like how, because we all read the same book on offers, we're all trying to come up with this one or two sentence solid offer where in reality what you're looking for is a big liquid offer that you can shift depending on what the container is in that situation holy shit guys marcos is using his standing desk now he just flexed andre uh, in the middle of your conversation or in the middle of your monologue i just started having like a jitter attack and i'm like i need to stand for this pod so this is now the first official standing podcast <laughs> well there you go dude explanation was so good you were rising man you were ascending with that you know you one were, analogy I, you're already ascending this is gonna be a good pot i can feel it i was feeling like a liquid i needed to fit into something <laughs> new so i'm standing but i totally agree because i think what i think of um especially like the newer so like back in the day everything was very simple it's like you buy a course you get a course you know what i mean it was very simple very simple but nowadays especially with all these hybrid offers and they're done with you like 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 say cash where you have so many different components to your to your offer. Everyone is coming in as a completely different, a completely different issue, right? Like it's you make the analogy with the wheels. It's like their car has four wheels, and there's you could have four different kinds of flat tires. Maybe you have an engine problem, right? There's so many things that could be wrong. Maybe you're just out of gas. You have to diagnose that problem for them. So then you have to basically your offer is now the liquid fitting into their container. It might always be the same liquid, right? It might always be gasoline. But now that gasoline is going in different places. Or it might always be water, but it has to fit in different ways for different people. So I think that's I think that's true, especially nowadays with the, with more competition in the industry. You kind of need that as a part of your offer. As there is more stuff coming on, I think there is a risk of talking yourself out of a sale. It once happened where I was in a sales call, and I gave them the entire ten minute pitch, and at the end they just asked me, "I understand." But do I get calls with you? And I'm like, yes. Oh, that is all I wanted. Send the invoice. So sometimes you risk talking yourself out of a sale if you just have this one entire offer and that this one's solid and you can't shift it. Think of your offer more as a liquid, as in you just give people what they need to hear at different times. Totally. And like for us, like I've gotten 
you know, I, I feel like a lot of people have advised me not to take certain people at certain levels. But for me, like I'm willing to take someone that doesn't even have their program built, right? It just depends on the person. So like some clients, the onboarding process contains building the, the actual landing page, building the actual offer and stuff like that. Whereas other clients come to us and they're like, we have everything. We just need you to market it. So I'm, we have completely two completely different ranges of prospects. I would never go to the second prospect and be like, we want to we want to change up your course a little bit and we want to change up your your strategy and your program and i would never go to the first person and be like we're only going to market right you're on your own cuz both of those people are looking for two different solutions but my liquid is still my liquid right it's still the birdhouse but two of those people maybe they're receiving it one person needs a cup and one person needs a gallon that was good Dude, you should stand roll podcast from now on. Holy shit. I think anyone who's listening to this, like me and, me and JK, when we do these podcasts, we're just like, I feel, I don't even, it's like our, we're going against ourselves. These aren't for, these aren't as much for the audience as it is for like us just to come up with the most banger analogies, and the most banger monologues. Like we just want to sound cool. <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes that is the case. It's often that you, you teach me something or we talk about something. And I just turned it into a tweet. Remember when we talked about the iceberg? As in, you should look at your content not as a... The tip of the iceberg is the content and the depth of the iceberg is the product. And I said, I believe in reverse icebergs, which is you give out most of it away, but the tip of the content, just the tip, you know, just the tip, just the tip of what you what you, what you trust for. Yeah, it's uh, just a tip, good advice, solid. Uh, now I'm kind of in the... Um, now I'm kind of your way, actually. I've shifted my perspective on this a little bit. This is also the podcast where we change our opinions every... Oh, uh, so first of all, yeah, before you keep going so often, like my opinion changes every month and I attribute that to just learning and being young. Like we're not, we're not coming on this podcast and acting like we're the all-in-one podcast with fucking four or five billionaires, right? We're not acting that way. We're learning just as much as you and we're providing that wisdom back. So it's like as we ascend, everyone below in the, listening to the podcast ascends with us kind of awesome yeah ho hopefully yeah we're hopefully. just got that yeah the analogy for this is marco's standing desk so yeah i was standing just just press the button right now and you're gonna know exactly what you feel yeah um but now i changed my opinion on that man i feel that how much value should you give away i think the answer is enough to make them feel better but not enough to want to make them act on it you don't want to make them do things we cover this a lot extensively But man, it's like I'm sending out these emails when I give everything away. People are just like, great. Thank you. I'm like, oh, that is good. Well, you're welcome. When I make them emotional, I'll try to actually show them what they could achieve. Those perform way better. And in the end, they get better results. So now I'm like, I guess you could tell I'm shifting to the dark side a little bit. I'm not giving away nearly as much value as I did before. And I'm really cool with that because that's attracting a higher quality of clients that I'm really cool working with. Interesting. I put in the, I put in our notes, I was like, does a rising tide raise all boats? And I've always lived by this rising tide raises all boats, but, and it's I mean, what the analogy means is you help everyone around you. And if you bring the industry up, you, you also are lifted in the same re respect. But, you know, I've probably referred out 20 people to other to other people in my industry to other agencies that just weren't quite a perfect fit for us um just because i like to put i want to help people right i want people to go in the right place i don't if i can't help them i put them to where they can be helped i've even referred people to you it's just like 
I can't help you, but I don't want to be like your ass out of luck. I don't know anyone that can help you because that wouldn't be truthful. Right. But I've also seen now, like in the past few weeks, I've seen many people copy us. I've seen us get ripped off. I've seen people copy our clients to their clients. Like it's been, it's been interesting to see. And I've never, and let, mind you, I've never been referred a client from any of the people that I've referred out to. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating going and we'll talk about this Elon Musk's version of going demon mode, <laughs> just saying, fuck the rest of the industry and just focusing on just like treat it like a battle because I, I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Cause I've always had this rising tide raises all boats mentality, but recently the last like month or so, maybe even the past few weeks, I don't feel that way. My thoughts is a question to you. Ryan asked this on the channel. Let me pull up the actual question because I think it is relevant to the situation. He said, guys, what is your goal? So Marcos, I'm going to ask you, what is your goal between A, B, and C? And listener, you're welcome to join. A, lifestyle business, five to 10 hours a week or less, lean team, 30 to 50K a month, profit. B, also a lifestyle business, same as above, but 10 to 20 hours a week, 100 to 200K a month. Or C, millions of dollars a month, more scale, exit potential, but way more hours. What are you? So mine is a combo. Um, for context, I've had option A for a while now, and I got him just like bored of it, and I want to move up basically. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a combination of B, which will be, the, yeah, I would like my agency to stay within B as of now, and this is the Change Your Mind podcast, that's going to be the new name of this podcast in like two to three years is going to be the Change Your Mind. Once we're like, once we're out of social, we're going to be like, this is now the Change Your Mind podcast. <laughs> that's right. This is the, but I don't know the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know the, um, but I'm also trying to build uh, option three, but more so on the media side, like the, more like the theme pages and the newsletter, like that's more my option. So it's a combination of of, of B and C, but it's definitely not A. Understand. So in that case, I used to think I was C, millions a month, huge exit potential. Turns out I don't need, I don't need that. So what I found out was that the people who I got the advice, give everything away, rising tight lips, all balls, just give everything for free. They're going for C. The people who are going for B, are actually more like have an advantage shot up. Now I realize that I have a really cool advantage in my business that I discovered a few months ago and I just haven't done any videos on it. I've shut up about it and I'm really happy with it because it's way less stressful. So I was going to ask you that question because I thought if we're going for C, then you probably need that mass market appeal. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't know though. Now, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> If you're going for B, then dude, shut up. Yeah. You know, I've had a, I've probably, I think when I started, especially when I didn't have as much important shit to give away, I was probably giving away like 90%. I'd say lately more like 70 to 80, but now I'm probably going to dial it back to like 25. <laughs> just, just really shut up. Cause it's just, it's not, you know, I feel like different industries have different, uh, maybe different um, reactions to these kinds of things. I think, my particular industry is not that friendly. I think I, I'm friends with the other top people in my industry, but it's not like that. You know what I mean? It's like, I think it's it's just a little bit different. I think there's two points to that. One, I'm probably going to forget the second one, but I'm just going to say the first one. One is that 
the social media your biggest and do most of your stuff is on on x am i right yes there is a lot of money on x but i've never seen a platform like you think instagram has status game try fucking x men the status game here is just fucking rampant everybody's like did you know what this guy did did you see what this guy did so it really gets to you because Maybe the game you're saying, maybe you said my industry is not that friendly. Maybe it's just because the non-friendly people are the loudest. So you feel that way sometimes. They're really loud. People on Next are really, really fucking loud. It's so much driven by status and it gets to you. So yeah, that was maybe something you'd like to consider. You know what it is too? It's in, I was, I've talked about this with somebody else. It's like, it's a very, very young industry. Uh, there's really not a lot of big players, I would say, in the Twitter or X marketing scene, right? Like, think of all of the X marketing agencies in the world. There's really none bigger than us. Like, I, I've really done my research. So, for us, it's like, I don't have anyone to, like, really talk to other than, like, maybe, like, LB or, or someone like that. Um, he's the only person I've talked to where we're at like similar levels and we like kind of feel the same thing, but we have completely different target markets. So there's really, if you go to Instagram, right. And you think of like an Instagram marketing agency, there's so many of the same kinds of marketing agencies on Facebook and Instagram, because it's been around for so long. Like how many Facebook ads agencies are there? A thousand, 10,000. <laughs> and they all, and they all crush it. Cause Facebook has like 3 billion users. Right. Um, X doesn't have that. X is brand fucking new. There's not a lot of X marketing agencies because it's so new. People haven't figured it out yet. So it's, um, I think that's also part of it. So I think it's just a little young. Whereas on Facebook, it's like your five best friends could all be Facebook marketing agencies and you guys could all be making 500K a month and you guys could all just be like, fuck it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I thought, I, I thought you meant young as in people are young, which is also true. But also I know, true. I know three of your clients, but they're like 30 and 40 year olds. Like, all of my clients, where you want to be, I would mean, they're all, all of my clients are like 30 plus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, pretty cool. And I'm 25. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like, I go on calls that it's just like, I'm I'm always the youngest one in, in this class. I'm like, fuck, I should, you guys should be teaching me what's going on. The average, the average birdhouse client has like three kids. <laughs> I'm starting to get baby fever from my weekly calls with my clients. <laughs> there you go. Like, that's a nice life. They're all just like in their house with their kids. And I'm like, I'm in Bali. <laughs> that's pretty funny all right let's go over a few things you got written here so um do you want to talk about elon musk's biography or a harvard not public school approach to course creation let's talk about elon it's fresh in my mind i've been listening to this biography like all week it's really long by the way um it's like over 300 pages i've been listening to it all week it's been uh so crazy it, so the, the thing that I like about the, this biography is that he, the, the writer, followed around Elon for this. So it's like very insightful for Elon. But he also interviewed tons of people around Elon. And Elon didn't have to approve of that stuff. So it's like actual perspectives from his past business partners that he doesn't like, his father that he hates, like his exes, his ex-wives. So it's like very deep and personal. Behind Did you get Amber? They didn't get. They talked about Amber, but they didn't get Amber. Oh, okay. uh, they talked about her being a crazy bitch, <laughs> basically. Uh, but no, it was really good. And and part of it, what I was thinking about is when they're talking about building Tesla, 
they talk about like this whole first principles thinking thing. And honestly, I was, I was saying this yesterday. I think this book is probably the best book to learn first principles thinking for business, which is essentially going, drawing back a little bit on your question. It's kind of like what we talked about with the OSI model, talking about like the first layer being um, physical or mindset. But like for them, it's like they question everything. So for them, it's like if they're making a part for a car, they don't even think about the only thing that they think as a constant is the law of physics. If there's a legal regulation, they find the person who created the legal regulation by name and they'll make sure that that's, they'll be like, I don't care how smart they are. We don't follow any rules except the ones put upon us by the world, like the laws of physics. So that's how deep they go for to answer each question. So it's essentially asking why for everything. So I feel like applying that to, you can apply that to any business, but it's been heavy on my mind lately. That is awesome. That is a very uh, big picture way of thinking. Now, yeah. I um, you know, you know, I'm big on MBTI and shit. So the second letter in the MBTI test is you. You either an N or an S. You're an N, so I'm an I'm an S. So you see more like big patterns. Mm. Uh, you you're better at thinking. Does this work? I'm more interested in how does this work. Mm. Like if there's an engine problem, you would probably think about. What's connected to the engine? I would go directly to why is the engine itself not working? So right. I found I was reading the Donald Trump uh, autobiography as well. What at one point he always played by the rules, which was quite quite interesting. He you would see he would always go to city planning commission and and stuff. One time he just really needed to impress some people or just put on an act. So what he did, the way he solved that problem, was he was building this site. And it was kind of dead, but he wanted to make it look like the busiest place on earth. So he actually told the bulldozer guys, when these guys come, I want you to take dirt from this hole to that hole. And then you do it again over and over until they leave. So that is that was his way of solving the problem within the constraints that you were given, uh, which is just something interesting I found and something that came to mind. But we can talk about the other points you had because you had like four. Well, that's, this, this is also part of my point too, is like, look at, we just, we just talked about two completely different billionaires and two of probably the most powerful, memorable people of our generation, right? One of them completely plays by the rules and one of them absolutely despises rules, but they're both successful. So for me, it's like, when I think first principles, I'm like, so I don't need to follow the rules to be successful. And I don't need to not follow the rules to be successful. Both of them work. So it's like, it's this whole thing between convergent and divergent thinking. It's like convergent thinking is thinking one of those is the right way, where divergent thinking is realizing both of those could probably work. Just depends on how I apply it. So I've learned that's another way you you saw Elon perform that kind of thinking that you were like, holy shit, I would have never thought of that. Hmm. This is a written comprehension test now, voice. Oh, this is this is good. So for him, it was like they're they're doing uh they're doing SpaceX and. Obviously, like it's it's not super easy to make money and fucking go into space. Um, but for him, one way that they've been able to fund, uh, get a ton of funding for for SpaceX was to launch Starlink. So they he thought to himself, he was like, internet generates like three trillion dollars a year globally. If we can take you know one percent of that, we get thirty billion dollars in revenue that we can now reinvest into building rockets and going to space. So they were like, okay. So they just launched Starlink. So now they launched that satellites and they give people internet. And if you know anything about Starlink, it's, it's massively successful. Um, that is like something that it's just 
the scale of it to me is just like, what the fuck kind of thing. Um, and what, what's interesting to me is that he has like this perfect balance between charity because a lot of his missions are almost like charitable, right? Like sustainable energy, going to space, all this stuff. But he's finding ways for it to work capitalistically. Like, how do I make money doing this? And I wrote in the thing is the, the whole personal brand thing. Like this guy launched flamethrowers for 500 bucks a pop and just grossed $10 million overnight. I'm like, this guy is, is so good at making money, but it's not his main mission. And I find that really interesting. What is one story? I'm interested in this because Avila and I don't, I don't know much. I don't know. I just never resonated with him. But what is one story you said sometimes they didn't need to approve the stories or stories of people that didn't like him? What is one negative story you read about Elon? Negative. So they say he has um, what's called demon mode. And this is that's like the words of, uh, of, of Grimes, which was his third wife. I think it was his third wife. Um, the most recent. Nice. And... Basically, he'll just, he has this like two dark sides. So they say like, he'll be in a meeting and the meeting will, everyone will come to the meeting and he'll just call, someone will say something and they'll be like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, you're stupid. Like you are basically an idiot. He'll fire people on the spot. He'll just be like, yeah, you're done. Like pack your things. He does that all the time since the beginning of his career. And then he'll immediately switch off demon mode and then go to like, Oh, he pulls up a meme on his phone and laughs. Ha ha ha. Like he just called you an idiot and like told you to pack your things. And then he'll pull up a meme and like laugh about it. And I think that's crazy to me. It's just like, he only has two switches. And I thought it was interesting because two, two was a two podcasts ago. One or two podcasts ago, you, you asked me like, I think I'm too much of a dick. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. But I, I, one thing I did notice about Steve jobs and, and, and Elon Musk, and I haven't read a bunch of Bezos, but I hear things. Um, that they both have this mode where they're able to just like be a dick because they're mission oriented. And I don't have that, but I think it's valuable to an extent. So I thought I'd share that with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's do you buy that by Elon though? It's like, to me, it's like reverse virtue signaling. It's like when somebody on Twitter, he's clearly like a millionaire and he knows people follow him because he's a millionaire, but he's like, um, average, golf frisbee player below average volleyball player and it's like bro like you're signaling that you're not a big deal but you're actually a big deal well the problem the the problem is that he doesn't have a like social awareness because he has Asperger's, so he doesn't like get it he doesn't understand like people's feelings like he just says what's on his mind so he doesn't have the social awareness to be like oh that was that might have hurt their feelings Either doesn't have the awareness or he doesn't care, but it's because he has Asperger's, which is on the spectrum. So I found it, but it's also interesting because then you think of Steve Jobs. I don't believe he was, but he had the same trait. So I don't know. But he didn't pretend to be good. Did he? Steve like, Jobs? He was just quiet. Yeah, he was just like... Having read just it. Bad one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's such a crazy story. And, and another thing that struck me too, and... And maybe you can, uh, you always told me once, maybe, maybe at the beginning, you were like, I don't really want to change the world. And I thought that was interesting because um, whether you do or you don't, 
at a certain point, you still have to, and it just it's just reality. You still have to go and get a bunch of resources if you want to change the world of the business. And even Elon Musk said on Twitter maybe a few weeks ago, he was like, Andrew Wilkinson had tweeted it actually. And because, so actually I have, wow, great memory of this. So Nick Huber tweeted that every business should be making money within 60 days, cash flowing. Andrew Wilkinson then quote tweeted it and said, um, this is so true. Most people make the mistake of trying to hit a home run on their first, on their first try when they should be trying to hit a single. Elon Musk then responded. He said, honestly, this is true because I had to start Zip2, which was his like internet phone book kind of thing that he sold for like 20 million or he received 20 million. And then he rolled that into PayPal, which he then made 250 million, which he then rolled into Tesla, which obviously now he's like the richest man in the world. Right. But he would, that would have never happened if he didn't have his first single. Well, his version of single is 20 million. <laughs> he, he hit a single, right? So he wouldn't, he didn't go to such a loser, right? Fuck. Yeah. 20. He, shit. So like, I, you know, he didn't leave college and he's like, I'm going to fucking Mars. He had that in mind. Like it was part of his grand vision, but he wasn't like, I'm going to start SpaceX at 19. He, he did zip two. Then he did PayPal or it was actually X.com and merged with PayPal. Um, and then he did, he did Tesla and so on. So I thought that was interesting because you said like, you don't want to change the world, but I also think it's important to know, like, you don't have to at first. I don't want to though, because it's like, I'm very concerned about changing the world of the people very close to me, family, friends, girl, like that's, that's important. Everybody else said, I really don't care about man. Like, it's like, I've talked about this in a few, in a few emails, like, like where I'm from, it's like, first time you know that somebody in your neighborhood got shot you're concerned like holy shit what happened then a few months pass somebody else gets shot and it, they were so many in between that you're like you're not shocked you just think again and then so many years pass and then somebody gets shot you don't even think about it it's just like yeah whatever that's normal so i don't want to blame that to how i grew up but i just really don't care about a lot of people have you ever seen that moral alignment chart as in like um, chaotic, uh, neutral, and uh, lawful, and good, evil, and neutral. I'm like, at that point, I'm just like really true neutral. I'm not the bad guy, but I'm not going to be the good guy either. I'm just like, just fine. I'm the good guy for people very close to me. Like for a lot of people, like if somebody got shot, the only thing I feel is the sound of the gunshot. Like that's the only thing I feel. And it doesn't change my life at all. And but also, that being said, I like to change the lives of people who are very close to me. So this is why I do this thing. And I realized I don't need more. And it's not, I'm not saying that this is a small number because it's a huge number to me. But like making a 100K a month profit, take home profit, I could do anything and everything I have ever wanted with that. So I optimized my business to get to that point and this is why I changed a lot of my language, the way I do business, the way I market, because I don't want more because I don't, I'm not in business of changing the world. I'm the business of protecting my own. And then the beauty of it is that, and we're so, we have, I feel like time often gets pushed together and we think that it's like this small thing, but in reality, like you're going to live 10 more lifetimes basically. Cause I always consider my lifetime after 18, right? So 18 is when you actually start to do anything right. in the world. I'm seven. <laughs> I'm seven. You're what, five? <laughs> so like, we're going to go live, you know, 20 more lifetimes, like 
you know how much we are allowed to change our mind? Like, that's the beauty of it. And that's why I love this podcast because what we said episode one is probably so different than what we're saying now. I don't even remember what we said. But the beauty of it is like you can make 100K a month for the next 10 years profit and then be like, okay, now I want to go try something new. And like, maybe I want to go do something else. You know what I mean? Like Maybe, maybe, maybe. It's very hard to get that off switch. It's like you build a little bit of muscle and you look at your before and after pictures. You're like, yo, look at that. But then you look at yourself in the mirror and you feel like a noodle. You feel wimpy. You're like, I'm so fucking weak. I need to get strong. Might happen with business. You make some money, you're like, I'm so fucking weak. I should do or bored. Or bored. Yeah, that's a good one. Regarding opinions, what's one opinion about marketing you've changed your mind about recently? Or just one that, even if it's not recent, but that really made a change in you? Bro, do you wear sunscreen? Is that fucking sunscreen above you? Uh, no, my buddy visited Bali and he bought sunscreen. He's white. <laughs> Cover. Yeah, for sure. We yeah. I'm going to act like that's true. Yeah. I need more I need more sun. My, my mom's like, how are you living in Bali and you're still not dark? So um, anyways, yeah, an opinion that's changed for me. I think this is... Um, you know what it is? I think it's that you need a bunch of social proof um, in your content to make money. I don't think that's really true. I think what's really important right now is actually just getting the right amount, or sorry, the right kind and the most amount of eyeballs. I think more attention, more dedicated attention that's within your niche is probably the number one most important thing at the moment for me. Um, I used to spam a lot of social proof for, for clients and I'm talking for clients cause I don't do a ton of my own marketing, but I used to think I, you needed a certain amount of social proof every day or every week to, to convert. But in my opinion, it's just like sell in private. And I got that from, uh, I think it was Cody Sanchez and Dan Go. It's just sell in private. And all you do in public is just fucking get reach, 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 reach. Um, Whereas when I first started, I would say I was heavy on balance and having the right amount of social proof to nurture the virality and, and the new followers and having a more methodical approach. But I don't really think that way at the moment, but that might change. You're shifting away from the likes and cash thing. I think it's uh, likes can be cash if you have the right system. I like that. I don't know what that acronym is. <laughs> LCB. <laughs> I. Why not? <laughs> you guys, I'm sorry about that. It's first time I got this this hat done. I thought it was really clever, man. Because I'm like, it's black and white. And it's got the little A, right? As in, they ain't cash. Likes ain't cash. First thing Marcus says to me. He looks at this hat. He just fucking starts laughing. It's like, Black? Bro, what you lacking? Like, motherfucker. No way. Like, you know what I think? I think about this often because I, I have tattoos, right? And every time I think about a tattoo, I think of two things. I think, do I want this like more than once? So, like, I have to want a tattoo for at least a month or two before I really know I want it, right? If I want it now and I don't want it again in two months, I never wanted it in the first place. The second thing I think of is, is there some way that one of my, cause me and my friends, we roast each other often. 
is there some way that someone can look at this tattoo and make fun of me? <laughs> so I was thinking about getting a 777 tattoo. And I was like, what font would I use? And I thought about it and I was like, I can't use this one because it looks like an L. And they're just going to be like, ha ha, L, 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 like you're fucking losing. <laughs> I think about this often and I'd notice you didn't have that because I wouldn't have put black. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. What? I just couldn't think of anything that wasn't a heart that doesn't equal sign and a dollar sign. Like it was really, it just, uh, you know, next up. It reminds me of, uh, no, real quick, it reminds me of like in college, I used to have a collection of baseball caps like that, but each one, this used to be popular. Each one had a different tiny little emoji on it. And I had the ice cream cone, the piece of pizza, the heart. Like I had all that stuff. Like it was just a little, a little hat I wore like Timmy Turner. We're not popping a picture up on the screen. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Quinn, Quinn asking for one. Quinn, we're, we're going to do this, right? Oh, news. Quinn's getting under pot. This is this is yeah. important for everyone. Can we say why and how we did this? Uh, it's safe, right? I can yeah. say it. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, um, yeah, so we blackmailed them, essentially. That's what happened. So uh, anyway, Quinn's my editor. He's also uh, Marcus's editor. And he made uh, the grave mistake of putting us all in a group chat. And we're like, oh, so this is where we bully you into coming into the pod, right? And Mark is like, let's run it, October. He's like, oh. I literally gave so, the date, Mark, we're doing it in October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you even gave him prep time, which was, yeah. <laughs> which was the fuck part. And I'm like, okay, do it, done. It's like, I didn't even ask for the email. I just invited him. It's like, then there you go. This is a Google invite. Just, just go. So Quinn's hopping on the pod. He's a guest. Um, he's a very interesting man. He just has a very creative mind, but he's very introverted. So we're going to, you're the most extroverted of the bunch. So you're going to, you're going to need to mediate over here. I am the most, it's funny because they say, I, I don't know what his personality type is, but I saw a video that said the INTJ. Oh, there you go. ENFP is the most introverted extrovert, but INFP, which is what I am, is the most extroverted introvert, which is interesting. It's like, we're all introverts, but I'm probably the most extroverted introvert. Dude, you know what we should do? We should just all hold hands and read our astrology cards right now. We should just, like, just hug. You're like, oh my god, it's such a Taurus. Well, so true, I, so I'm a, I methodically picked uh, October 3rd. You don't even know this. I methodically picked that date because it's right immediately after my first video goes live. And I'm, I want to grill him about the differences in our content, the differences in his mind about how you would approach content for different people. And like, I would love to know all of this. Like this stuff is really important or not really important, but it's uh, interesting to me. Like, how do you, how do you work with two different people? Cause I consider Quinn very much an artist. Whereas I, I consider like, for example, you like a very much like a strategic business person. So I think it's interesting. It's going to be a fun one, man. It's going to be a fun one because yeah. So we blackmail them. That, that's a reason. That's a good, that's a good way to get people to do your favors. Just, just blackmail them to doing like, so thank Quinn, you, Quinn. I'll, we'll see you soon. Like Quinn, we control a very large percentage in your revenue. <laughs> you better come on the pod. <laughs> oh, it'd be a shame if you didn't come on the pod, bro. Like, yeah. For real. So, it wouldn't it be a shame? Right? The Quinn former shareholders will be pissed if you don't come on this pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is how we do business. You know, this is the kind of segments where I want to tell myself, of course we do this for, uh, for value, but like, these are the kind of segments that make me think, 
uh, are we doing just, this just to shoot the shit banter? Because sometimes it does feel that way. Oh, it's so nice. I feel like I get my most laughs on the on this podcast, and it kind of just like pulls me out of like the day to day of business, especially running an agency where like sometimes it can get pretty fucking hectic. So it's honestly great. Um, I think those are also the best pods. Like I feel like this started different than what it like the purpose of this podcast probably has changed since we started to now i think now is very much like we just enjoy it and i think the best podcasts more so the longest running podcasts are probably from the people who enjoy it that's right and you, you told me this and i don't know if we could say this so anyway marcus said it but pretend he didn't say it but he's like i feel like when we give a lot of tactics we just attract a bunch of freeloaders a lot of people just want free shit it's just very low quality and I said, you know what, Marcos? I'm with you, man. I felt that. So yeah. how about we just give a round of applause to everyone who's just listening right now because you guys are fucking awesome. And if you stay to this podcast, it means that you're serious about growing your business and you just like to hang out yeah. with us. So thank you. You know, lastly, I want to be the podcast that someone can listen to on like a walk and not be the podcast that somebody's listening to at their desk and trying to like implement. It just feels I don't know, boring. I think this was the day that it started where I was like, the rising tide doesn't lift all boats. I'm just like, sometimes it's just boring. I think that's the bottom line. Also, right after that one tactical podcast we did, we were like, that was a lot less fun. <laughs> we were just like, at the end, right? We had the conversation. We were like, what was wrong right there? Yeah. We've also recorded a few pods. Actually, one, which I, I said, yeah, this is not going out. This, which is, which is didn't feel. And that's, that's fine. And it couldn't have been that good because I don't even remember what we talked about. That's how bad it was. Yeah. What was your favorite pot? The one. Look at the description right up. The, uh, so I, the, when I make these answers, it's just whatever pops into my head first because that my brain is answering, not me. The one that was the funniest was the one where we were talking about like anti-optimizers. <laughs> we're like, what is your most optimizer, biohacker, Huberman type trait? And mine was like, I have... And I only wear a certain kind of underwear and socks. Like, remember we talked about that? I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> there were, what it was like, what would the alpha bros be mad at you about? Yeah. Or that, that what would the trad bros be mad at you about? And he said something like that. I said that I didn't wear underwear and that's how we finished it. Still don't, I, by the way. Pack a lot, boys. Scroll, I also scroll TikTok here and there and I'm just like, just turned into a brain dead piece of meat. Like, I sent you that stupid YouTube short the other day. It was so funny. Bro. Oh, yeah, we we sent each other anime shit. Uh, we, yeah, we sent each other like, I think like, for me, like it's always been, I don't want to say love language. It's a little bit, not the word. But, but it's, uh, I've always like, <laughs> oh, there you go. It's, people are going to listen to this. There's going to be like, just the tip in love language. It's like, man, this going to be into it. <laughs> Me and my all my good friends and like my girlfriend, like we've always had fun just like sending each other stupid videos, and I think it's I think it's fun. I think people uh, should enjoy it more. So I think the uh, I agree. The alpha chads are gonna be pissed. They're seething. They're like, you need to meditate. <laughs> you must meditate upside down. Marcus, what? Why are you smiling, bro? The fuck's wrong with you? Shit, no smiling, no laughing. Back in the day, right. Spartans never laughed. <laughs> No, no, it's Romans. And they think about the Roman Empire now. Some fucking reason. Um, one thing I... Okay, let's talk about business for a little while. Let's give the people what they want. All right, so on. Guys, we're, we're, we're back in business in a little bit. I want to add one thing that severely reduced my anxiety. And I really enjoyed it. Which was... I came up with this kind of phrase. 
scarcity reduces anxiety. And the reason why I think scarcity reduces anxiety is because a lot of us, we're selling coaching or some sort of consulting. We have kind of unlimited supply. When I ask you, how many clients can you take? As many as your imagination can hold. That's usually the answer, right? Uh, or a very high number. And I say that that is not true. You have a certain limit to how many clients you can take. And I say, you should make that public. And I say, that should be part of your marketing. As in, find out how much money you want to make in one or two years. Because if not, you're not going to do it for one or two years, then what's the fucking point anyway? And then you kind of backtrack from that. How many clients would I need to close every quarter or every month in order to get to that goal? You're going to arrive to a certain number after you do that math. We don't do math in this podcast. But after you get to that number, you say, well, maybe it's three a month. And I don't know if three is a little to you or if it's a lot to you. But if you're at zero, you could still use that card as in your marketing. Hey, guys. I'm capping my spots at three spots a month. And then you use that scarcity and you stick to it. You get three clients, great. The alternative was getting zero anyway. But the, tr the trick here is you got to make it real. So let's say, I told my friend this. He's at zero clients. And we, uh, we were having lunch together. He's like, bro, what do I do? And I said, well, what if you cap how many clients you work with at one? Because then the messaging changes. The way you approach the scarcity conversation changes. You could reach out to people and ask them, there's only one spot left. Or are you still interested? Even if you're at zero, that still works. We capped our spots and now we're getting more demand than when we had unlimited supply. Because when you have unlimited supply, people fuck around. When you have limited supply, people don't fuck around. So this is why I say that scarcity reduces anxiety. Because if you cap how many people work with you, you will be amazed at how different people respond. So if you're dealing with a lot of tire kickers, a lot of people who are, they just annoy you. You know, they make you bitter. They make you resentful. They make you not like people. Then maybe scarcity is a good card you can add to your offer stack. And I feel that that reduced my anxiety by a lot. And you should try it if you'd like. Yeah, I have two stories on this. So one, this past weekend, I was at um, my girlfriend Julia's retreat. And they had a retreat in Bali, private chef, um, all sorts of, you know, guests and, and all these things, right? It was like a business, ses it was like a spiritual slash business retreat. It's like eight people on it. And they're already planning the next one. And the people at the retreat were already trying to reserve the spots for the next retreat because they know there's like limited spots and they, and they liked the size of it. And they're literally going to have to reserve half the tickets for the next retreat for new people so it's not the same people every time so if you want to talk about scarcity that's that's like crazy scarcity um and it was interesting to see if he's smart yeah it's interesting to see people already trying to get in on the next one um and they're already referring friends and like the whole the whole next retreat will probably be like repeat or referrals like they're not even gonna have to market it um so that's at a smaller scale and then for me and my business is, I think I could probably take like 10 to 12 clients at once. I could probably only onboard like two or three a month just because the onboarding process is heavy and like, you know, just be all over the place trying to onboard four or five people at once. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing. And another thing that we do, and this is a interesting tactic is like, we only launch people on certain dates. So we make sure we tell potential clients, like we're only launching people on these dates. So if you want to get in, you have to get in like 
pretty soon if we're going to, our onboarding process is going to fall in the time so that we can launch you on that date. So it's like a, it's an interesting kind of scarcity. That's not just like, well, we have one spot left, but it's like, we're launching on these dates. If you wait, you will have to wait till this date. And I'm not going to try it. That's right. Yeah. When you control the supply side, a lot of people focus on the demand side of the offer. Oh, this is going to be good. The, a lot of people focus on the demand side of the offer. How can I make the demand better? How can I get more demand? Whereas not enough, not many people focus on the supply side of the offer. Well, how many do I want to offer? And when does it cut off? Go. Well, here's the beauty of it too, is like, you don't even have to fake it. Like I actually can't onboard four people at once. Like I can't, I actually launch people on a certain day because I need to for tracking purposes. Like there are reasons for the scarcity and it makes it so much easier to market because it's the truth. Right. And, um, and this leads into my thing where I talk about treating our companies like Harvard, not public school. Right. You can't just get in because you're a fucking coach. Right. You have to actually apply and we have to accept you. Um, same for you. Right. Uh, so I'm curious how you've, how you've thought about this. Like one thing that's reduced my anxiety in business is not working with people I fucking hate. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of people that I didn't enjoy working with in the past. And it was just like, it made business hell. It made business really uncomfortable. And like, I would see their call on the calendar and just be like, I like, don't want to take this. Like I'd be paralyzed prior to the call. I'm like, whereas if it's a call with someone I like, I'm like checking KPIs. I'm like, what are we doing this week? What can we do for next week? If it's someone I hate, it's like, I don't even want to do this call. <laughs> like, never mind, do I want to prep for it? So it makes business just like so much easier when you treat it like Harvard. I feel like that is an insight you earned, but you couldn't have said that a year ago because you would have taken anybody anyway. That, that is one of the insights you earned. And I feel like if you want to get to that spot, which I agree, it's awesome. Being able to say, somebody's like, hey, take my money. And you're like, I don't want to. Bro, it's awesome. I love it. I've done it recently. If you want to, you did? Oh yeah. Someone texted me and they were like, uh, will you take Seth Klein? I'm like, I don't work with your niche. Simple. It's just like, it's the truth. It's not a fucking lie. <laughs> it's not like, just, I don't like you. You just hit them with it. I have a boyfriend. With the cock block. Just like, I don't date. Right. I hit them with the, I don't date lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't date coworkers. <laughs> Good. Does that that's solid. Now back to the point. It's like if you want to get to that spot, the magic word. I guess it's a composite word. Waitlist, bro. Waitlist. If you cap how many spots you have every month, and people ask you, "Can I still work with you?" You say, "No, you can't," because you got to stay true to the scarcity. If you lie, and you're a piece of shit. You got to stay true to that. So you get to a certain point and you, you, uh, you cap your clients and you say, no, but I can add you to the wait list. And when you add people to the wait list, then when the next spot opens up, then you can let them know before. And you're like, yo, I'm letting you know before I make this public. You have this many hours to act. Do you want in? That is the best anxiety pill ever because then you can just play around with it. Even if you just take one client, bro. You just take one client at a time. And you're like, well, you just took one client, but one person wanted in. They don't know how many people are on the wait list. You can just say, I'll just add you to the wait list. It still shifts off the, it still is you working on the supply side of the offer instead of the demand side of the offer. And uh, it's just so nice. Like it reduces your anxiety by a lot. And I, do you have a wait list? Do you use it? 
So we have we have a waitlist, but it's very um, it's almost like in the form of an extended sales process. Um, like for me, is if I get someone that's a good lead, but they're not quite ready, I'll kind of put them through a little bit of a pre, like a prep. So when in the military, it's funny, but before you go to basic training, if you're in the National Guard, you go to something called, uh, what's it called? RSP, which is essentially where you go every month until your basic training day, you just prep for basic training. So I kind of do that with, um, with our prospects, I kind of just put them through stuff that they'll need to be able to work with us. And then it's like an extended sales process with follow-ups. And then when they're ready, they, they come on and I don't really have to push it. Uh, so it's almost like, um, instead of a, instead of a wait list, it's, it's like a, a prep course. It's pretty interesting. Very nice. Very nice. I like it, man. Yeah. I like it. It's, um, yeah, I, I I'm just going to say it, man. I feel like we're, this is episode 19. We're way better entrepreneurs than we were at episode one. I feel that. And we're getting, we're getting, we're getting better now. And I like that. I feel that, which is quite nice. Um, also, like, we're getting better at this you, podcasting thing, man. We have some fans, like, right now, they're commenting. Thank you all for, like, everybody who's commenting. I want to greet them by name, but I don't know all of their names. I know Hector, you're watching this. Um, Steven, you're watching this. So, you guys are awesome. Thank you. David. And everyone else that I mentioned, too. David, Don, Kendrick. Uh, I made all those names up, but those are common names. So I think you'll listen if you're listening and those are your names. You know, Goku, you know, it's Dylan, yeah, you're 69. You're good. You're awesome, bro. Fuck you. If your name is John or David, and then please comment and fill the void of names that I, uh, I'm going to start doing that every pod, just get a name, random names. And if it's you, you have to fill in the blank and now be the person who comments. <laughs> oh, wait, new, new win was the guy who, who posted, uh, the pod outline with the AI. Did you see that? Yeah, dude, this that was awesome. I love that. <laughs> but, um, do that again. Are you listening? <laughs> uh, that that was cool. Yeah, somebody somebody posted it. The thing, this podcast thing is fun, man. It also it also like gets me out of my. You know what I like about podcasts? It's when it has given me the freedom to show that I changed my mind a lot. And it has also prepped people to understand that, which in turn reduces kind of how serious people take my message, which seems like a bad thing, but it's also a good thing because they're less into the message and more into the people, into the messenger, which is you know, exactly what I want. You know what I feel like too is I feel like in the business space, um, sometimes it's lacking realism. And a lot of business podcasts are people talking at you or just people talking and you're listening. But for us, it's like, we're very much providing insights into our actual business lives and like mindset. And it, it becomes very realistic. Like we've gotten pretty deep on it in business philosophy a lot. Um, and I feel like a lot of times that's missing because a lot of people who do podcasts are either just, they've turned into investors because they've already done something amazing. Whereas we're kind of almost like, I hate to say it, but we're kind of like building in public. Oh, oh you had to say it, dude. Bro, what, what, do now, now, do, do I need to take a picture of my fucking laptop at the beach? Now, do I just yeah. need to show some fake fucking humility? Now, I've never. Like, been that's more, just part of the deal. I've never been more ashamed in my entire life. No, no, it's okay, bro. I you're in the arena. You're learning. That's fine. You, 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 you'll be fine. This yeah. podcast is bootstrapped. <laughs> oh, oh, no. 
<laughs> if anyone's listening and wondering why we're cringing, I just can't stand the whole like tech um, cookie cutter words. Uh, bootstrapped. It's okay. Yeah, it's a far job, but not as far as the venture capitalist job. These are the guys that are really moving the world forward. Thank you for your sacrifice. Wait, my favorite thing in business is that there's people that just raise money for a company that's never profitable and then exit before it's profitable and make a fuck ton of money anyway. I'm like, that is such a scam, but it's so it's so funny because you can become so rich that way. You can just build a company that's break even for life, raise like three series rounds, and then just exit for like millions of dollars in equity. It's just insane to me. I'm like, they're probably this one, but <laughs> sounds like a big scam, but also, how do I get in on that? Like self-made entrepreneur. location. Yeah, self-made entrepreneur copes because Harvard business grad raises a billion dollars. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Oh, by the way, um, I wanna I wanna I wanna talk about this before we end it. I um I do uh kind of digital services, right? But I've always wanted to do e com. I'm like, man, I wanna do e com. The other guy, uh, the other day I was talking to this dude. He does e-com. He's like, bro, I'm fucking sick of e-com. I want to do what what you do. I'm like, oh, interesting. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? Right. And talking to this other side, man, I want to do SaaS. And you talk to me, I'm like, fuck SaaS, man. It's like everybody's like just doing these different things. And it's like, if you're right now, you're wondering if you're in the right business model, in the right opportunity vehicle, same. Yeah. You're not alone. It's the my. I love the tweet that it, I think about it every time I get like shiny object syndrome. I think of the Mosey tweet where he's like, even if it's uh, I don't know if it was him or Becker, but it's like even if there is a shiny new thing, and even if it is a slightly better vehicle, you're still gonna do better and profit more if you just stick to the one you're on for longer than switching to a new one and being back at the beginning. Um, so even if you're not in the right business model, you will succeed drastically more by just sticking to one thing. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. People don't know this, but I've, this is my fourth agency. I've had four agencies. Why? Really? Yeah. My first agency was called Atroclus. It was an IT content marketing agency through LinkedIn. You can still see my first article to this day. I was in Ryan Booth's mentorship program in 2019. My second agency was Achilles Advertising. It was an Amazon pay-per-click advertising agency where I got one client and then shut it down. And my third agency was called The Culture Shift Copy. And it was a copywriting agency that I pretty much only got clients through Upwork and then I switched to ghostwriting. Um, I also graduated with a degree in marketing. Like I've been in this fucking space, absolutely eating shit and failing for so long. <laughs> but if I had just stuck with the first one and followed Ryan's advice, where would I be? So stick to one thing and stop jumping to the next thing. Boom. That was a pod. See y'all. Cheers. <laughs>